All right. Well, welcome again to another re-education podcast experience with me, your host, Darren Langill. And today I am so excited to have a great friend of mine, somebody I met years ago. I think it's about eight years ago back in Chicago. Uh, his name is Christoph Shu, and he's with Coldwell Banker. Uh, global previews down in the Beverly Hills and LA region, a place that I'm sure a lot of us and us listening would say, I'd love to sell real estate there. Um, Christoph, I will introduce to the show in a second here, but I'm going to give a little background. Um, sure. He's been selling since 1989. From his website, I pulled that. So obviously, he's allowing me to share that because um, it's there and it's public, which means 32 years in the business, he was telling me he's done it all award winning top producing luxury agent. But as he just told me, he's also sold stuff down in the $43,000 range as well. But in LA's most prestigious neighborhoods, I think there's a special name for a triangle of properties over there. Platinum triangle, you got it. There you go. But yeah, he's a top 1% Coldwell agent worldwide. Um, back in 2008, I remember this, number one video, video influencer ranked amongst realtors. So that is very cool. He's always had a huge part in video. Well, maybe not always, but he was one of the early guys. I was um, one of the first. And he's fluent in what? Is it Spanish and French on top of, uh, yeah. of course, English? Amazing. Um, if You might have heard this name, Christoph Chu, before, because he has appeared where a lot of us well, honestly, never on a lot of TV shows, popular selling LA with HDTV. I remember first seeing you there, my friend. Um, Bravo's million dollar listing. He's been there. And I, there's a whole bunch of others. I've, I even noticed uh, open house TV on NBC. So, I mean, the list goes on and I could keep talking about him. But yeah, like I said, I got to know him years ago. Um, the moment I met him, knowing also by that point, his history. The thing that struck so much, Christoph, I don't know if I ever told you this, was your welcoming nature and humility just blew my mind. And as I left Chicago, it was one of those big things I couldn't, I knew I was in the right place around the right people. Yeah. When somebody like yourself with your, with your background can come across that way. So everybody welcome Christoph to the show. I'm so excited to be here and so glad to see you. It's been a while since we last hung out at one of the conferences. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. So sure. that, I mean, I could have went on with the intro, but what did I miss? Any like key <laughs> elements there that you think that I might have missed about? It, it'll come up in stories as you ask questions. It'll all come up. Yeah. But it's funny because 32 years in the business now, there's so many young people in the business, right? When I started in 89, I was uh, 18 years old and in those days, it was very different than today. I mean, the real estate has really changed a lot in 32 years. I mean, we barely had computers, we used fax machines. Uh, we had old MLS books to look at listings. So it just, you know, it was a whole different world. So nowadays, I meet a lot of new younger agents and I say, well, how old are you? I'm like, God, I was selling real estate and you weren't even born yet. That's kind of a little bit weird. <laughs> Isn't that I feel like true? I did uh, the early days. I feel as excited and, and loving the business as much as I did then, if not even more. Amazing. So what have you been up to lately? You know, 2021 has been a wild year. Mm -hmm, it's yeah. been a crazy year in our market. Finally, we got some energy, but you guys have, you got your market really tends to always keep moving. But I mean, what was 2021 like for you? Well, basically 2021 so far, we're almost anywhere from 40% to double the amount of high-end sales from the year before. So the market has continued to be very, very strong. It's cooled off a little bit lately, but um, despite the fact that a lot of the international buyers are not coming like they were because of the COVID restrictions, the market's very, very strong. And But the bottom line is, you know, 32 years, I've been through two or three market crashes, two or three up cycles. And no matter what the market is, we as agents got to take the bull by the horns and make business, no matter what it is. Totally. Um, what does Tom say? Make your own market, right? Always, always have to make your own market and you got to shift and adjust and reinvent and rebuild and uh, we're constantly reinventing ourselves. So this year was, uh, you know, we spent nine months building our brand new website of which we just got an award from Real Trends as being one of the, actually the top individual agent for videos on websites, which is great. Yeah, so we're just rebuilding our we're not changing our brand, we're rebuilding the brand, we're adding to it, you know, from logo perspective to um, uh, marketing ideas, to videos, to websites, to just everything. I mean, I think every three, four years, you need to kind of look at everything and be like, okay, what can I do that's not today, but what's going to be for tomorrow? 
or next year. So we're always trying to look at that, look at the opportunities that are out there, whatever those opportunities are. And that's, uh, I mean, that's a great point to start. I mean, I, uh, the evolution of a realtor's journey is important and not, not change for the sake of change, but change because you know you're looking to stay ahead and keep your place, right? Yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, I mean, in the world of, I mean, you know, every two, three years, I need all new headshots, you know, and all not, not just headshots, but photos for marketing. And, you know, let's face it, I'm 53 years old now, so much older than you. But as you hit your 40s, you hit, you're not even your 40s yet, are you? No, you're in your 30s. I just turned 40 this year. Okay. So, you know, when you hit your 20s is one thing, you hit your 30s is another, you hit your 40s is another, your 50s. So I look at a photo from three years ago. I'm like, that's not me anymore. And you know how sometimes you meet agents and you look at their business card and it's like a glamour shot from 20 years ago, men included. And I'm like, who is this person that I'm meeting? It's not the same person. So I think it's important to always put up a real true front. We are how we are. Uh, we look how we look. And I think it's important to always be proud of where you are and uh, uh, what, where you, what you've gone through, whatever point you are in your life and be proud of that and share that. So yes, yeah, so we're always looking to not like it's not really recreate, but rebuild and rebrand and, and move it forward to today's time. And you're doing this um, not um, instead of doing production, you're doing this along with the production that you continue oh, yeah. I mean, to do, right? Without production, you can't afford to do any of this stuff. I, I mean, know. Yeah, videos are expensive, new news, custom, super custom websites are expensive. SEO is expensive. It's all expensive staff. So yeah, you've got to keep the production going. Yeah. I and I get freaked out if I don't have, you know, three, four, look, I don't do, you know, a huge amount of deals because our deals are higher, but if I don't have a number of listings and escrows, I get kind of freaked out. I, you know, I just, I need to have a lot of stuff going on when things are slow. It's just, I still work every day, but I, I like it when there's stuff going on and activity and meeting people and all that. Yeah, there's that itch. You know, people like people that are around you. If you if you feel like you're you're a little bit low on production, you can kind of feel squirrely. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of agents though, like that aren't at your level, haven't experienced the successes, will put things in series versus parallel. Right? They're like, well, I got to go build the brand, do all this, and then they'll come to me. And it's just such a mistake, right? No, no. You, they'll come to you as you're building the brand. But but even through the pandemic, I mean, let's face it. This is the first time in my life, the whole world really changed. Right. And, you know, offices were closed, you know, for, for a while there, there were like three month periods where pretty much every business and every restaurant was shut down. Our offices were shut down and, and I don't work from home. I never work from home. So uh, I have a beautiful penthouse office with a balcony and I didn't have my staff come for like five, six months, but I came to the office every single day. I said, to the manager, look, I'm going to come in. My staff won't be here. I have my private office, I have my balcony and the door open. And I did, I mean, I didn't, I think a lot of people just put their heads in the sand and say, oh, you know, let's just stop for right now. I didn't stop. And even though we couldn't do open houses, we couldn't do this, we couldn't do that. We were able to show houses. We had to do a lot of things to show houses, but we did. And we sold a lot of properties. So I, I never let what's going on outside the world affect me. I mean, it does affect you, but I have to figure out a way around it. And because uh, I got to earn a living and I got to pay my bills like everybody else and, uh, and help my clients. And people have to buy and sell regardless of what's going on in the world. So that's a great way to start. So I, my first question here was, uh, you've kind of half answered it, but I think I want to get, what is Christoph working on? And maybe this is something you and your coach work on as you finish such a great year while we've got about 45-ish days to go. Yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to complete other than the branding and the build and evolving that? Like, what are some of the tactical things that as a producing agent at the end of the year, you always clean up on? Uh, so number one is, uh, you know, most people kind of shut down their business, not shut down, but slow things down from, you know, Thanksgiving through New Year's, right? Uh, they think things are slow and blah, 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 whatever. I never have felt that. Um, particularly, I worked a lot with international buyer for many, many years, and I still do. They would always come between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So usually in December, where no one's selling, I would always sell four or five properties in December because they come to town, they're here on vacation and they're rich and they want to buy a house. And I'm here Christmas day, Chris, well, not Christmas Eve, but Christmas day or whatever. I mean, if they're got money and they want to buy, oh, I can have Christmas day another day, right? This it's just a day on the calendar. So I'm always focusing on like right now we got, like you said, 45 days or so, you know, getting new listings, getting uh, closings and 
looking for opportunities for next year. And then uh, also business planning, planning our business for next year, what we're going to do, and also working now on part of those plans now to be full up and board running by mid-January. Totally. So, I mean, I, I, it's always I everything. Be, it can be a stressful time, right? Because we're a lot of us who don't, I mean, who aren't doing this in their business, and you're trying to stay very consistent, right? I want to, I mean, I guess people listening, I did the roller coaster, right? And, but we want the stronger producers have less, less peaks and valleys, they just continue right. to push. So you're, of course, doing that you've got a unique marketplace where yes, at Christmas, it does pick up. Um, but just the fact that you're, you're hunkering down, you're not, you're not just kind of relaxing for the next six yeah. weeks is something and, and something. you know we all have those roller coaster rides every day like you wake up in the morning you're excited you're here and then you know two three bad things happen you get a call for a listing and you're all excited so all day long it's like that but uh you know i think there's not an agent in the world even the top 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 brokers in the country that don't have downtimes. I mean, I've had two or three periods in my career where four or five six months without a single closing i mean it just happens sometimes and i remember i was coaching with tom one-on-one -on -one, and we were doing stuff and videos and I think it was four or five months I had not made a sale and I was getting kind of really stressed out. I, I remember visioning, not visioning, but I don't like to visualize negative things, but I felt like I was going down this dark spiral downward because every day I'd come to work and call and call and nothing was happening. Nothing. And Tom kept saying, Christoph, keep going, keep doing it. I said to my wife, I said, I've been working for three, four months, nothing. I might as well just stay home because no, you got to keep going to work every day. And I did, and this is maybe 13 years ago, and I was at the office on a Sunday morning, at, at which I, I'm at the office almost every day of the year. Office phone rings at 8.30 in the morning. I pick it up. It's a friend of ours saying, hey, Christoph, we want you to come meet us because we're thinking about selling our house. And they had one of the most beautiful homes I'd ever been to in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's still one of the most beautiful homes. I said, great, uh, let's meet tomorrow Monday morning, which we did. And, and, it, I, knew, and I knew it was in the... 25 to 30 million dollar range. And this is 13 years ago. Today it's probably worth 50 million, 55 million. So even though I was mentally prepared, I think my highest sale to that point was about six million. And so even though I was ready, I said to my, I called my wife. I said, look, you know, they called us and I got to prepare for this appointment. So I literally spent eight hours that day preparing the presentation. And when I met him the next morning, I didn't show him anything in the presentation. I didn't even show him any of the stuff I prepared. I just did my script. You know, do you absolutely have to sell your home? You know, he says, yes, we're moving out of the country. Are you willing to price your home to sell? And he's like, well, what price do you think? I said, well, it's worth 22, 23, 24 million. What do you want listed for? I said, 26 and a half. He says, no, I want 30 million. Uh, I said, well, if I sell your home in the next 30 to 60 days, is that okay? He's like, no. Um, we're not, it was October, we're not leaving the country till July. I said, well, then I need at least a 12 month listing agreement. And then, um, and then he says, what's your commission? And I, this is one thing that I really practice in my mind. I, I knew that in that price range, that, that was actually, there was no houses for 30 million ever at that particular time in this area. And I remember in my mind, most brokers would go in, maybe ask, maybe ask for five, but probably ask for four. And I said to him, I said, 6%. And I smiled and I did my nodding and it was actually typed in the contract. And he looks at me and says, I'm only paying you $1 million to sell this house. So we agreed on the price. We wrote the contract. I scratched out 6%. I wrote in $1 million. We sold the house a year and three months later. And uh, we sold it for 23.5 million, which is the number I'd said. And he paid us a million dollars. So, so, so anyways, so, so that downwards. And then I remember I got the listing signed that Monday and I'm like, holy cow, I got no money to market this property. What am I going to do? Right. <laughs> but I called the company and our manager and our, you know, they're very supportive of me because I've been a top producer and, you know, they helped me out. So, and we got it sold and the rest is history. So no matter how down you are, how fearful you are, how worried you are, you got to keep doing it every day. Uh, results may not come every day, but you got to just keep the faith and keep moving forward. And, and, and every day in my affirmations, I say, I expect miracles and magic to occur each and every day. And I can't wait for that wonderful, amazing come listen to me call this afternoon. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But if you don't have the mindset and the thought and you're thinking about, oh, everything sucks right now and I got no business, then that's what you're going to attract. So 
Yeah, it makes it's, it makes so much sense. And it's it's great to have you say that too as well for so many agents that just would just put off the power of that because they think it's just all tactics, all that. But there's really some, you know, break it down. You've been in this business a long time. You've seen a lot of the wins and then the, and the losses. Uh, I mean, mindset is one of the most important things. I mean, tactics, tactics and strategies and marketing and skills, that's all critically important. But mindset, if you don't have the right mindset and the right positive attitude, um you're not gonna it's not gonna happen i mean i remember you telling me this story when you were getting into luxury and you've done this 32 years but you were saying you've only you, it took you how long before you transitioned into luxury um good question uh so i think i was in the business six or seven years uh in another office not in beverly hills uh i was doing about 60 deals a year my average price point at that time i think when i moved to beverly hills was about 282,000. so this is probably in the mid mid 90s i think is when i moved to beverly hills and uh i physically knew i had to move locations number one because at that time the area i was working the top end market was about three million whereas beverly hills was maybe 20 million so i moved and um started working on but yeah i did a lot of deals but they were basically when i started it was all first-time buyers um expired listings for sell by owners and all that. And, but, you know, a lot of my past clients in sphere today of 29, 30 years are from those expireds for sell by owners, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So, yeah. yeah. So it, well, it took a while. And then you told me when you were doing it, you kind of, I, I, I don't know if you remember telling me this story, but because you weren't familiar with the market, you did something unique that I think a lot of agents don't do enough of. And you got out there and you were a part of every broker tour. Yep. You were out there showing property as if you had the buyers. Yes. Really familiarized yourself yep. with the suite of, of, of listing inventory. Yep. Um, can you tell, add anything to that? Absolutely. So uh, I still go on broker tours. Now that we're doing broker tours again, it's every Tuesday from 11 to 2 in our area. And, you know, if it's raining, they may cancel. But when, even when it's 100 degrees, I'm out there running, you know, when you're walking through a 25, 30,000 square foot house, you know, three, four levels in hundred degrees in a, in a three piece suit, it's, it's not exactly fun, but I would do that always. Cause I thought if I don't know what's out there and what's going on, you can't just see the inventory from the MLS. You gotta, especially in the high-end market, you gotta look at the architecture. You gotta feel who's on each side and who, who actually lives on each side. Is it a rock star? Is it a businessman? Because clients care about that stuff in that market. How does it feel? How are the finishes? You can't see that from the MLS. So I would always do it. And there was a lady in our office. She was in the business probably about 40 years, old timer, not old, old, but old timer in the business. And we go on caravan. In those days, we were looking at five, six, seven million dollar houses. And she said to me, why are you wasting your time looking at all these houses? You don't have buyers for those homes. Kind of snippy. And I said, well, I don't today, but if I do tomorrow, I know exactly what to show them. And one of my new agents came with me on caravan Tuesday and he says, how come there's like almost no brokers coming to the open houses? Brokers are lazy, especially the new ones. I mean, I, I shouldn't say especially the new ones, but why wouldn't you, if you're brand new or even if you're not brand new, why wouldn't you spend two, three hours on a Tuesday go looking at every property in your marketplace? Because you might get a call tomorrow for the house next door to list it. And if you don't know what the house is like next door that's been on the market and sold, and a lot of times now, 32 years later, I've seen that house two, three times sell when it first sold, remodeled, sold again, remodeled. It's, you know, knowledge is power. I don't care what business you're in, the more you know, the better you are. And just like that $30 million listing, even though I'd never sold something in that range yet, my highest was like I said, five or 6 million. I was so prepared mentally and emotionally. I just need to spend that day to prepare myself mentally so that I could feel comfortable and confident at that presentation. So yeah, looking at properties is one of the most important things you can do as a broker. Well, the, the long timer or old or new timer. Yeah. That perspective that you would have gained early would have taken, you know, I mean, if you waited for the next listing that you were going to take in the luxury market, and then maybe that buyer that comes around and you view a few homes, the experience to actually feel like what these luxury homes actually offer, their perspective, the size, the scope, the details. I mean, you're completely shooting in the dark if you don't yeah. go ahead and do that. And that could also be to the lower price points too, right? Absolutely. Like, doesn't matter what price point. Could be 200,000, could be 50,000, doesn't matter. But in addition to that, I have sold, in our luxury market, a lot of people have already beautiful homes. And they're not necessarily, I mean, I would say maybe 
30%, just out of my mind, um, of the high-end sales I do are not buyers that are like looking in the marketplace. They have beautiful homes, great properties, but you know them. And they all say, well, you know, we kind of would like this kind of house or a house by, look, in our area, the, some people want very specific architects, you know, certain, whether it's mid-century modern or, uh, you know, 1920s, 1930s, but there's, you know, a list of maybe 80 top architects, certain top end trophy buyers, which they are, want certain architectural homes and they don't come on the market very often. So there've been many times where I walked into a house and I'm walking and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect for so-and-so. They're not even looking. And I'll call, pick up the phone like immediately, like in my car. Hey, I just saw a house. I know you're not looking right now, but I really think this is a great house for you. And they'll come and they'll buy it. It's like Caravan on Tuesday. There was a house that I didn't quite recognize the address, but I said, oh, this looks, it's 55 million, I think is the price. I went to see it and I, I said, wait a minute. I said, this is the house that sold like four years ago for 14 million. But I showed it to my clients, another client. They tore it down, built a new house. And as I walked out, I'm like, this is perfect for my clients. They bought a $14 million house for me seven years ago, which somebody wants to look at now and buy for 25 to 30 million. So I texted them. They live uh, abroad. I said, look, because we've already been talking the last two weeks about, hey, I've got a buyer that wants to see your house. Can we show it? And they're still deciding. But now I said, this house is better than what you've got. It's brand new. It's a little bit better location than where you are. And they can afford 55 million. So um, they might buy that. And then I sell the one for 25 or 30. And I've got, you know, two deals. Well, let's so unpack that for a second. And that's something I preach a lot at my office. And that's that whole conversation of knowing things that for like that, that, that dream want list with your clients and that would sell price, right? And it's like so many people, right? We know 95% of the people we talk to aren't looking to buy or sell. Correct. We need a message that can work to 95% of them. Correct. Right? So yeah. you, you must be a bit of a, like, how do you stay present and stay connected so that, or maybe even the script that you use when you're just talking to that past client and you know where you can bring up this kind of like dream search want I mean, so that you must get good and note and take some notes, put it in your CRM. I mean, can you walk me through a little bit of Christoph's process with that? So the funny thing is I never put the notes in the CRM. Honestly, I've been using top producer for probably 32 years. I never put the notes in the CRM. I just don't want to take the time to like, it's, it's all in here. And uh, that's probably not a good thing. But uh, for me, my clients either are friends and become clients or their clients, and then they become friends. But through the process of buying, particularly an expensive home, um, I spend a lot of time with them. Um, and every buyer is different. I mean, there's some very, very, very high profile buyers I work with that are some of the richest people in the world. And when they come to town with their eight or nine security team and their you know, two or three cars and their chefs and their maids and all this stuff, and we go look at houses, you know, sometimes I can get them in the car with me so we can really talk between the houses. But other times we look at the houses and then they're in the car with their car and driver and I'm, you know, leading the way. So that's tough. But then I will say, okay, we're going to look at houses from 10 to 12. We're going to look at three houses and then we're going to go to lunch. We're going to look at two more houses afterwards. And then maybe, you know, they're here for usually for vacation and the super high end. They're here for vacation. And most of the super high end people, they have multiple homes around the world. So they want to go to shopping uh, and they want to you know, they don't want to just walk into Chanel or Louis Vuitton and Hermes and just like walk, you know, and they want the private experience. And I can do that. I can call up my people and say, hey, look, I've got this one. We want to come upstairs to the private room. So you got to really know people and know who they are, what they are, what their lifestyle is. And in the world of the wealthy, just give them opportunities. And if you call them, I mean, like I said, many, many properties I've sold, I just said, you got to buy this house. I mean, 14, 20 million. And some of them sight unseen and they just trust me. And they said, okay, we'll do it. All cash. Yeah. And I love nothing better than an all cash, no contingency deal for five day escrow. I mean, that's like the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. With your average sale price. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, I love that concept though, that, that idea of showing them like everybody price point, luxury, ultra luxury, or just average. The ability to reach out to just, I'm thinking of you, 
Yeah. And I thought of you because yeah. uh, I know you're not looking. I know yeah. you're not want to sell, but hey, somebody came across my plate. This opportunity came my way. Yeah. And I thought of you like that's enough to build such impact, even if the home doesn't connect the dots, because most of the time it doesn't. Right. But it's a great touch point. Is that yeah. fair to say? Absolutely. And I'll give you an example. There's uh, I sold a house five years ago. It was a, a $2.8 million listing. I had an open house, couple walked in, bought it, double ended the deal, bought the house. Lovely couple. Then I sold their condo for like 1.5 million after they bought. We had a lovely dinner together, became friends, but I have, I have to admit that I don't follow up enough with my past clients in sphere. That's one of the things I've really got to work on. So the last year and a half, I've been like, I gotta call them. I gotta call them. I gotta, and then the longer I wait, the more I'm like, give them a call them now out of the blue. And like, they're gonna be like, why are you calling me? Uh, why haven't you called me? And all that story in your head, right? right. I just called him. I just said, to call the husband first. And it happened to be, he was working at home. His wife was there. We started chatting. And I know they've had two children since they bought that house. And I know that house wasn't really amenable for children, but they were just married. They didn't have kids. And now they do. And it's not really, doesn't have a big yard has a beautiful pool but it's not really so I just how you been doing I said how's life been for you since the pandemic are you working from home working in the office and they shared their whole thing and what they want to do and they were so happy to hear from me they were so pleasant and lovely and wonderful and now they want to buy from five to eight million which is great then I'll sell their house now for probably four million so that's you know 12 million deals but but for literally a year and a half maybe eight, nine, maybe 10 times, I thought, oh, I should call them. And I'm like, no, I can't call them because I'm gonna feel ashamed or embarrassed. And I finally just called them that day. So I think for me personally, I don't know about you or anyone else, I get sometimes caught up in the what if, what this in my head, just pick up the phone and call. If they don't like it, they'll say, I can't talk or I don't wanna to talk to you or F you or whatever, right? <laughs> it's hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're willing to share that because I mean, I, I train a lot of in a rising engineers, I mean, not engineers, realtors, yeah. and they, they think that all of us that have achieved some level of version of success have it all together, right? But and they were like, and uh, I think I talked to Josh Rubin last year, and I said, what do you do at the end of uh, at, at the year to prepare? And he says, I'm going back to my, my database, because oh. I neglected them all year long. It's true, right? It's true. And, uh, if yeah, Conquer, he said, said, said in his podcast a few weeks ago, he says, we're all batshit crazy, all of us at some level, right? Now, when you're, when you're rich, you're considered eccentric. If you're poor, you're considered crazy. So anyways, there you go. <laughs> can I, can we speak a little bit about agent to agent relationships? Cause I know it's such a, the Tom Ferry ecosystem is something that has, it just internally generates such a great uh, yes. way to connect. And there's yes. a lot of referrals there, yes. but I mean, I've always asked of my agents and people that I coach to say, whether you're the ju most junior agent or senior, it's never too late to try to build that Rolodex of folks mm -hmm. spread wide. Now, you, you've got a global luxury brand. So, I mean, there would be agents with, from all across the globe, but just that concept of being present and uh, agent to agent. What does that mean to you when I say that? So, especially in the global realm, I mean, my focus is the last 25 years is, is luxury high-end because that's just who I am internally and who my sphere is. So again, typically someone who's buying a $10 million plus home in LA, they typically have multiple homes around the world. I don't know how it is in Calgary, but, or other parts of the country that your agents are from, but it's very common. So starting about 10, 11 years ago, I really started making a focus on that international segment. I knew a lot of people, but I would go to a lot of international conferences and I would specifically, it, it, I didn't actually specifically go after them, but it just happened. I was a speaker pretty much every time. So I got to meet the people, but I thought, okay, if I am at a conference, an international conference, like I can meet the broker owner of this company in France, this company in Italy, this company in Spain, this company in China, this company in South Korea, in uh, Brazil, uh, uh, um, I forget the other countries, but that's so important. And then, because in the world, especially the world that I'm working in and I'm continue to work towards more, 
is the, the world of the wealthy, if you want to be a luxury agent, it's like an international private club, but it's not an official private club. Like most of the really, really wealthy people in the world, they, we all know each other. It's, it's shocking. We met someone maybe a year and a half ago at a party and uh, they, they don't live in LA, but they have a house in Palm Beach, place in New York, one in La Jolla, house in Hawaii. But we see each other at parties. They come to LA once in a while, we go to dinners and Every time we met, I can't believe you know them and you can't, how many mutual friends we have, but these are friends from all around the world. And if people know you, trust you, respect you and feel like you're part of their circle, they wanna do business with you. So, so I've always made it a point to really focus on, uh, obviously only people that I like. If I don't like someone, I don't communicate with them. I don't spend time with them. And you know, there's certain people you meet, you're like, and they're really on you and they're like, I'm like, oh no, I just, I just don't wanna be around that person. I'm always very nice and we're always very kind, but I don't go after that or nurture that. But the ones I like, it's great. So that, you know, anywhere I go in the world, whether it's Paris or Seoul or Hong Kong, you know, I have my own friends, but I can call up the presidents and owners of the company and say, hey, I'm gonna be in, in Paris. Can I uh, come visit you at your office? Let's go have lunch and let's go have dinner. I speak at their offices. So I'm, I'm continuously building my report and brand. And one of the things I'm gonna do marketing wise, which I have not done yet is, talk more about, especially in my realm, like this, how many times do friends say, oh, I just bought an apartment in New York or, oh, I just bought a place in Miami, but they don't, because I'm not putting it out there. I don't think I've ever put it out there. Like, hey, if you, I'm part of the worldwide network, if you want to buy and, you know, and I have to look at my key cities for me, which is Miami, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Aspen, Vail, um, Paris, London, New York. I mean, there's certain cities. Sure. So I need to make sure that my general base on social, which is really how we stay in connection in most cases, really sees that so that if they see it over and over and over again, they think about it. Like even a small, this is a side thing, small marketing idea I got maybe three, four years ago. Um, my name is Chu. You know the brand Jimmy Chu Shoes, right? Which is yeah. one of the highest in luxury brands. So they did a campaign saying, want you, I want you. That was their campaign. And even have purses and shoes that say, I want shoe, shoe. So I thought, wow, I can do that. So I, I did it for about a year and then I stopped it, but I did all these hashtags, want shoe, hire shoe, list with shoe, choose shoe, buy with shoe, sell with shoe, just, just, just for the fun of it. But now quite often, maybe 15, 20% of the time on social, even if I'm not posting that specific hashtag or like they'll see, I want you. I want you. It's just a, it's a subliminal little mindset. So I even have the URLs. I want you.com, hirechu.com. I don't use those really, which I've got to start using. But I don't know. I just I come up with something. I think of something. Usually when I'm quiet, meditating, or getting a massage, that's when all the ideas come. Yeah. And and then it's a matter of you can have a million ideas if you don't implement them, it's worth nothing. 100%. So, but it's interesting that now I'm, I started doing the hashtags again the last couple of weeks because I just. You know, it's been maybe a year or so I haven't really done much of it. People are still remembering, I want you. I want to hire you. And, you know, it's just, it's, you might meet a seller, they see that and they go, I want you. It's silly and silly, but it works. Totally. Well, when I actually wrote down one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was about getting your local network to think of you beyond your borders. And, and I love that you're working on that. Even a guy, luxury, top of his craft in one of these markets, but it, it is very important that we all just put a little bit of that to our, our to our hub to say, you trust me. Nobody wants to have to go find another trusted resource. Right. That's they, right. They'd rather just trust you to hook right. you up. Right. right. Um, so it's like, yeah. So, so yeah so I've been thinking about this for the last actually 24, maybe 48 hours. So we're going to do some photographics that I've, I've got, you know, I, I spent two days with a photographer doing, he took like 600 shots. We have like 10 shots we're using, but there's yep. one particular shot that I know will work with a graphic on the side saying, uh, I, I don't know exactly how we're gonna do it, but like maybe a little globe of the world in the middle and like maybe like seven little key cities. Oh yeah. Little thing. And then we'll do some videos about that. I, we haven't done it yet, but I mean, this, between now and the end of the year, we can do the graphics, we can do the videos and start getting that out there because I know for sure when I think the last five, six years particularly, I probably lost a few million dollars by not letting people know how much I am tied into that realm. 
Um, as you're saying that, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about is, okay, yeah, people might be thinking, shoot, Christoph's got all the best markets in the world. But the reality is every market center has a feeder set of markets. Absolutely. Right? Either out or in or both. Yep. So the concepts, maybe it's easy to visualize because Christoph's talking LA to France, right? Or it's to Singapore, but it's like, maybe it's, you know, Chicago has its feeder cities and what are they, right? Just learn it, understand it. And then of course, don't let that money slip through the cracks, right? Yeah. And again, it's always changing. I mean, since the pandemic and maybe just a little bit before, I mean, California taxes are, state taxes are through the roof, right? So in the United States, there are basically Florida, I think Texas and Arizona that are state-free tax-free zones, right? So in the last three, four years, I've had a number of very wealthy friends and clients sold here and bought in Arizona, bought in Texas, Palm Beach, Miami, and they're living at least 100 and I think you have to live like 167 days a year in that particular state to get the tax-free basis. So uh, yeah, I mean, I love the European international buyers, but that's a little bit high, but actually all the echelon, but um, that's changed too. So luckily, I mean, I know all the top agents and in uh, Arizona, I know the ones in Texas, I know the ones in Miami and Palm Beach. Um, so those are things important to know. And again, everything's always changing. I mean, you know, and things today are changing so much more quickly than any other time that I've experienced in my 53 years. And, we, and would, uh, you say, would you say the way for which you either find these folks or maybe even the ones that stay in touch with you so they remember you, remember yeah. you, right? Yeah. Is it, is it back to social? Just get them to your funnel and that's your macro so they never forget about you or are you finding that something in between that? Um, it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's most of my businesses, that's the thought I had uh, during the break is that when you do what you love and you are who you are without apology, you spend money to make money, you will attract those kinds of clients. So as an example, back our, our honeymoon trip in 1993, I've been married now for 29 years. My wife and I, I think that particular year, I think I made around $250,000 GCI or, or net and whatever it was. And uh, we traveled quite a bit and we were going on our honeymoon and we went, I think four weeks in Europe, two week cruise, week before and a week after in France, Italy and all through the Southern Riviera. And then we came back to LA and went on a 14 day trip in Asia. We met a couple on the cruise in the South of France, just by chance laying on the deck at the pool, a couple from Beverly Hills. I, I just moved to Beverly Hills and uh, started chit chatting and we became friends. And from that initial meeting, we became friends. I, I, I haven't done the complete numbers, but I think to date we've made about 2.6 million net commission in 29 years from that contact. Wow. And not, not just from that contact and all her for, but that contact went to this one, went to that one, went to this one. And it's just, so I remember that was a, I think I spent a quarter of my annual income on that trip, a quarter of my net income on a trip, which means it's like half my income, right? Right. But I always said, even when I was young, I said, um, spend money to make money. And I always wanted the best. So we went first class, we said the top six-star hotels, best penthouse on the ships. And, you know, I, and I remember seeing him, I don't mind working all year long for a six-week trip where I said to my wife, I said, this is the real world, like on the trip, like living like that, that's my real world. The day-to-day -day work is kind of like a fantasy world, but it made sense. And, and still to this day, we're still friends with many of them and just the, the business. So, so I'm always thinking about be yourself, do, your, do who you are and, you know, sometimes put yourself out there, you know, and I mean, don't spend money frivolously. I mean, Tom talks about, you know, don't buy stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I agree with that because when I was, you know, years ago, I would just buy, I, I even before I closed an escrow, I'd be like, Oh, I've got, you know, 300,000 in commissions pending. Oh, I'm going to go to Rodeo drive, which is a block away from my office and buy five new suits and buy a diamond watch. And all. I don't do that stuff anymore. I mean, I still buy stuff, but I, I, I never spend money until I've already made it now. That's, that's a really good lesson because in the past I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be make this kind of money and I'll use my credit card. And then three deals don't close. Right. And you're like, Oh shit. I just spent all that money. <laughs>
what um what part now video you jumped on early we've been involving video you yep. continue to to do a ton of it what are you what would you say are the things that you're using video for um what i use it for personally and versus what the consumers want and the consumers want different things on different platforms so on my youtube channel i think we have uh like 12 million views of our videos i think we have 2600 videos from you know 13 14 years ago and i think 34,000 subscribers so on my youtube channel they like my driving tours they like um my parties they like uh houses the rest of it they don't care when i do my motivational stuff and they don't really care so much Motivational stuff on Instagram, Facebook, they like that. House tours and all that stuff on social, they don't like it so much. So every platform is a little bit different. We do kind of everything and, and we're always testing, but I see there's different people like different things on different platforms. So um, we just, we're always testing and trying and seeing what we can do different and new and unique and special. So we're always trying different things. And it's one of those things we've all been pushed, pushed, been pushed by our coaches or those around about I mean, I think even Tom on stage might have said, you have to get on video. And it's crazy. We're still talking about it. So many agents are scared to do it. Would you, when you're talking to agents who haven't quite embraced it yet, maybe they're not spending money on the property tours because maybe they're nervous to spend the cash, but you could just get down to the content sharing. Yeah. I mean, what are some tips that you've learned to be able to just take a thought to execution on a on a video right and just to, to get so it first done. of all i'm i'm a, I'm a if i believe in it i just do it so the first time we I didn't, you probably were not involved with tom ferry at the time but this is probably 2006 or 7 we were at the tom ferry summit in the desert gary vaynerchuk was our keynote speaker and uh it was youtube had just google had just purchased youtube so that's when videos were really just starting. And Gary Vaynerchuk's like, you gotta be social. You gotta be, he said, you gotta be the DJ for content in your community. Sorry, you gotta start doing videos. And he said to me, uh, I think it was at lunch or something. He's like, you're Mr. Beverly Hills. You gotta be the, the mayor of Beverly Hills and, and DJ content for your community. So I didn't quite know what that meant, but I thought video sounded like a good platform for me, even though I'd not done any videos before. And I was not on any social media, things. I wasn't on face. I was on nothing. Because at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty private. I don't want to share my stuff on social. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, I can share what I want to share on social. You know, I'm going to share everything. So that afternoon, there was a Best Buy or Good Guys or one of those, you know, electronic stores nearby the hotel. So I mean, five o'clock done, got in my car, drove to the Best Buy, bought a flip cam, and a tripod my assistant was with me and i shot my first and it's actually if you go to my youtube it's my first video in 2007 and and it was 118 degrees and i'm on the terrace of the hotel and i said i didn't say it was my first video i just said i'm here at a conference blah 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 so i just i just did it i, I don't i do it i do it and if it doesn't work then i can stop it and then i remember it was four years into doing videos tom was coach i was coaching with tom and i said tom i had 800 videos online at that point I said, Tom, I keep doing videos. I keep doing videos, but I haven't monetized it, right? Because when you're a business person, when you do a marketing initiative, you want to get revenue from it. So keep doing what you're, you're on the right track. You're on the track, right track. Keep doing it. And uh, very maybe two weeks after, I got a random call at the office, like 1030 in the morning. My sister said, this lady wants to talk to you about buying a house. I said, so I get the phone, start chatting. It was a 45-minute initial call. And uh, she said that they had been looking for a house for a year and a half with another broker. Her husband was a top real estate attorney here in Los Angeles. And, um, but they were unhappy with the situation and blah, blah, blah. I said, what are you looking for? And I said to her on the first call, I said, how'd you find out about me? She says, oh, I was searching on uh, Google, Bel Air. Uh, I saw um, a couple of your videos and I clicked them on your YouTube. And it took me to uh, more videos on the playlist. I said, well, I said, well, what made you decide to actually call me? She says, two reasons. She says, number one, oh, and I had just done my helicopter tour, which I was the first one to ever do that. It was a very, very expensive video, a helicopter tour of the most expensive homes in LA, which I think it was 2008 or 2000, yeah, 2008 or nine. And um, she said, two things. She said, number one, I saw that helicopter tour you did, and I thought, if you spent that much money in a helicopter tour, you would spend money to market my house. And number two, she said you were very honest in your videos. I said, how so? 
I did a driving tour of a specific street called Stone Canyon in the Bel Air area where houses at that time were maybe 3 million to 20 million. And uh, it's, 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 it's a canyon street with mountains on either side. And I said, if you're a sun lover, this may not be for you because the sun will rise a couple hours later in the morning because of the mountain on this side and will set a couple hours earlier on the west side. And she said to me that they were in escrow in a house for $10 million on that street. And when they came at three o'clock in the afternoon for the inspections, there was no sun at the pool. And she did not want to have a house with a pool with no sun in the afternoon. I said, then you're a promontory buyer. She's like, what does that mean? I said, you need to be on top of a hill where there's nothing obstructing the sun from your house. So, and I was a little bit concerned because I thought he's a lawyer. He was a real estate lawyer. You'd think he'd know a lot of agents, right? And they'd be looking for a year and a half and they weren't happy with the broker. And it was a broker at our company. So um, she said, my, I want to meet with you and my husband come at 8.30 on Monday night. And I'm like, I don't ever, I've never go to buyer's interviews like they come to the office, but I thought they want to buy a 10, $12 million house. They want to sell their house. I'll, I'll go take the meeting, right? <clears throat> Went to their house in my three-piece suit. He's a lawyer, right? With the tie, very conservative, right? And I met them. And um, I had and I had my yellow pad. What do you attorneys use, right? Legal form yellow pads. I said, Mr. So-and-so, I said, do you mind if I take notes? He says, of course. So I just said, and I just went through my script. And I, what do you want to move? What do, I went through all the questions. And about 20 minutes into my questions, I said to him, I said, I like you. I said, I think you like me. Why don't we just get started and find you a house? He says to me, Christoph. The moment my wife first talked to you, she decided to hire you as an agent. I said, then what am I doing here for the interview? I just wanted to meet you in person. That was, that was it. And I think three weeks later, they bought a $10.5 million house. I sold their first house for five point or 4.8 million. Their friend bought a house for 4.6 million. This all happened in 90 days after we met. Uh, his secretary, I sold her condo for 480,000. They bought a $1.8 million house and they just bought, um, actually a year ago now, a $7.5 million vacation house. So, you know, $36 million in deals from videos. But it was four years until I first monetized my videos. Now, a lot more has happened since then, but you said earlier consistency. That's one of the things I talk about. We all want it yesterday, but you got to just keep doing it, keep putting the content, quality content that will help people, and you'll get business from it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, you're right. I mean, building up a presence, like on YouTube, maybe in the earlier days, you could be found a little quicker, but now to, you need to put a good body of work over time to cut through the noise. I mean, what? Nowadays, it's so hard to be found. I mean, you know, when I first started all this process, nobody was doing it. You Google search, you know, we have 17 different market areas. We could Beverly Hills, Bel Air, Hollywood Hills. You type it in, we'd be top of the search engines. But that it's always changing, always. So we're, that's why we built a new website. We're doing new SEO. We're trying to figure out with all the new algorithms with Google and Facebook, how to get up there again. So that's in the works. We're still working with the past clients in Sphere. And um, it's, you know, it's every day trying different things and working it out. I, you know, you said so much in that story. And I think some people sometimes when they listen to another agent's story, they'll just kind of like get caught up in just the storytelling, but they'll miss some of the highlights. And one of the things I wrote down was instantly you, you knew your client, you knew exactly what to do. Just the fact that you were coming with a script, with a piece of paper, you knew would also relate to the lawyer, yeah. ask them to take notes, you know, they were detailed within yeah. that you had your script so yep. that you could take a type A guy, but still yep. lead the charge. Yep. Like right there, there's three huge takeaways that is yep. in common practice to Christoph's yes. kind of story. Yes. But agents can pick up on that to say, wow, am I actually slowing down enough to do what Christoph <laughs> just did so naturally, right? In, in, in the story. Um, well, the, the thing is the scripts are natural because I practiced them for 17 years and I still not, not, as much as I should, but I still, they're, they're internal. They're just, they're so, I mean, literally like this productivity schools or the sales edge schools. I studied that. I mean, I went to sales edge maybe like nine times. Wow. So, I mean, that's all in there. So the scripts come out, but they come out conversational because or, yeah. and I, I didn't have anything, any questions written. It just all came from my mind, but I just, right. 
And I always, if I'm meeting someone new that I don't know, I'm like, I, I research who they are. Yeah. Right. Because obviously if I'm working with an attorney who's a big real estate attorney that owns, you know, partner in, you know, seven major real estate offices around the country, that's a different person than, than, you know, Madonna, who's a rock star who she didn't care. It's her team and her business managers and lawyers. But so I always really look at, I, I spend the time to search who the buyer is. And I'll ask them like one of the questions, which is a script I said, when I come out to meet you on Thursday at five, Darren, um, I, uh, I want to, uh, Daryl, I want to see what can I show you, uh, have you hear or see or know to help you feel comfortable to work with me to sell your home? No, see, touch. So I get to know if they're auditory, if they're visual, if they're kinesthetic, if they're an engineer, I do a presentation because they're into numbers and data and all that. If it's an artist or a celebrity, they're usually just feeling. Sometimes people say, well, it just, it just, it'll, it'll depend on how I feel about you when you come out. So I know they're completely kinesthetic feeling people. I want to see your marketing proposals. So they're visual, or I want to know the data on the comps and the square footages. They're, they're, you know, technical. So I think it's really important to always be yourself, but present in a way that's makes that particular buyer or seller feel comfortable that you understand them. Yeah, and there's ultimately in our business, right, Tom and everybody talks about, there's only so many objections we get. Mm -hmm. There's only so many personality types, Absolutely. right? So once you learn that and you're comfortable, you're right, the scripts aren't scripts anymore. You yeah. just kind of master the ability to guide the conversation to where you need to go. Yeah. And if a new agent's hearing this, they're like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. But in reality, again, there's only a handful of behavioral types and how you like it. And there's only really a handful of objections that come yes. our way. Yes. Master that transition and also like tee it up in a way that, you know, you can do, you're playing T-ball rather than factory. Right. And I still do that three minute listening presentation, which, you know, it's not as high a ratio of getting it done now as it was, you know, five, six years ago. But, you know, like I said to that guy, do you absolutely have to sell your home? And they usually say, no, we don't have to, we want to, blah, 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 whatever. Great. You don't have to, you don't want to. I get that. Um, are you willing to price your home to sell? You know, and they're like, well, it depends on the price. And, you know, what do you think? I said, well, I'm an expert. I study homes and prices every day for the last 32 years. Therefore, I assume you'll list with me at a price that will cause your home to sell, correct? But, well, it depends on the price. I said, then I'll go, do you want me to handle the sale for you? And I just, smile and sometimes you're like yes that's why we hide you out here and then it's like well great let's just talk about the price here's the contract i don't even i didn't even show my marketing presentation now some people are like no we want to know about this and then you go into that whole 10 minute 20 minute sometimes uh, i've been at three hour listening presentations you know everyone's different but i just start with that if they say it. yes it's like nothing to talk about let's just let's discuss the price let's set the dates and get it done I love it. Yeah, that's a masterful little script that you've got. And then I can I know the you NLP. know that. Yeah, I know the you NLP know in there on. too, right? The, the NLP language mm -hmm. patterns and just landing so hot, but it's so smooth. And, and uh, I love it. I mean, you've been doing it a long time, but it wouldn't take most people that long to feel comfortable just, again, guiding the, the conversation. Yes. Amazing. And the, and the thing bottom I line, I learned this 30 years ago. Clients are silently begging to be led. Most, right. even the wealthiest, the most powerful, the richest, the smartest, they hire you for your expertise. And like you meet with an attorney or a big CEO. I said, look, you run a major company and I know you're a very smart man. I get that. I said, but this is my realm. I said, when you go to your doctor, when you go to your lawyer, your doctor says, you got X, Y, Z, you got to do this, this and that. Are you going to tell him how to do the surgery? You go to your lawyer, you're doing a deposition, you're, you know, you're getting prepared for a court case. Are you going to tell the lawyer how to, how to do it? No, you can't tell me what to do. That's my job. You do your job. That's how you got successful. Let me do my job. If you don't trust me, you don't believe me, then work with someone else. Because yeah. if, if they don't trust you in the beginning, they don't want to follow your advice and you're wasting your time because they're going to fight you all the way. And who needs that nonsense? You also dropped a little nugget that I don't even know if this is a, a strategy you use, but you, you gave a name to that type of buyer in the canyon where you, you mean where that other guy, the guy had to perk up to say, 
you called him a certain type of you're, you're this type of owner and it was being up on the 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 prom like oh, you had to promontory, be promontory yes right that is specific to you know wanting the sun versus needing up top but even Correct. a very smart guy didn't realize what that was and you were able to create this term yeah. that then pointed him to say oh yeah that's me yeah. and i could see you i could see us as realtors almost using that 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 technique for a lot of things in all markets yes. that could again put you in this position of real authority right that would have instantly got him to say oh i'm gonna listen to christoph he gets me yeah well it's funny the house that they were in escron i knew the house it was um a very famous basketball player's home. Um, I, I don't know about sports very much, but it was a very, very famous Laker basketball guy's home. And the promontory thing came because I go on caravan every Tuesday. And, you know, you go on caravan, you see houses. Then all of a sudden you see these houses are like, area might be three, four, five, 10 million. All of a sudden you see houses 20 million. Well, why is that 20 million? Because it's, you know, LA has a lot of mountain. You've been to LA before, right? Yeah. LA has a lot of mountains kind of, from downtown to Malibu, which is, you know, the top of Beverly Hills, Bel Air, it runs across. So you can be in the canyon, which is the streets in between the mountains, which is dark, but a promontory is like you're at the top of the street, you go to the end of the mountain and someone cut off the top of the mountain, flattened the lot, and then you've got a 180 or 270 or 360 degree view of the city. That's a promontory and someone will pay double, triple, quadruple the price for that kind of property. But I go to them, I see them, I know them. And, and I, you know, again, knowledge is power. 100%. Well, Christoph, I've taken a lot of your very valuable time. I don't even want to oh my God, We've been here. on an hour already. <laughs> it goes so fast when you're having fun. Right. I know. I mean, these conversations can go for forever. Um, I mean, as I wrap this up, can, where is the best place to follow Christoph to be one to just learn I mean I, I know you've got a business Instagram page you've got a personal one yep. um, where do you find if someone wanted to really learn as an agent to kind of just mimic and R&D a little bit where, where's the best place to well, go thank you for asking because I do so many webinars and conferences and I always forget to mention like where to follow me so uh, on Instagram I have my Christoph Chu personal which is private and that's another conversation, but it's right. private. So uh, if I don't know you, I may or may not accept you, but I'll my people send you the link to my business page. Uh, if I do know you, or if, if when I look at your profile, you're interesting, I might follow you and let you follow me. But that's kind of personal. Uh, my business is Christoph Chu. You just type my name and you'll see it. Other than you might see some fake profiles. There's, some, there's a lot of fakes of me out there. So, uh, but Instagram, I say is important. Facebook, I have my... Christoph Chu, but I've been full for like 13 years, so I can't add friends. But you can send me the request, and then we send you to our business Facebook page. Uh, YouTube, there's no restrictions, it's, it's open. So Christoph Chu on YouTube, I would suggest follow me YouTube channel, subscribe, and um, click the notification. So whenever we do a video, you get the video. Um, I'm, I'm on every platform, but I would say those are the main platforms. And look, just Google Christoph Chu, you'll see page after page after page after page of content on Google. It's, I'm Amazing. I'm all over the place. So if I were to if I were to leave with one kind of set of parting words from Christoph as we finish up, anything, even your favorite quote or your favorite book of the moment, or anything that comes to mind as we leave you? Uh, no favorite quote or favorite book that I want to mention. I just want to say, don't doubt yourself. Believe in who you are. You have good moments, bad moments every single day. Live in the good moments. The bad moments, recognize them, brush them off quickly. Look, sometimes it takes a minute, an hour, a day, depending on what happens in your life. I mean, this year my father died, my stepfather died. So, you know, that was challenging. But, you know, even when that happens, I got to brush myself off and take care of clients. So just keep moving forward. Don't wallow in the negativity. Just keep moving forward. Focus on the positivity. Surround yourself by the best people. Don't watch the news. Just keep positivity around you. And if anyone in your life is negative or a naysayer, excommunicate them, get rid of them. You don't need, there's enough drama and stuff that goes on in all of our lives. You don't need someone that adds that to your life. Just keep focusing on the love, the kindness, the special moments, your family, your friends, who you are and con contributing 
to all those around you. I mean, one of my quotes is, um, be love, be good, kindness. I am joy, prosperity, kindness, happiness um, to myself and to all those around me. So always focus on whatever you're doing is to help you and all of those around you. And just figure yourself as a bubble of light and love and kindness. And that bubble is protecting you from the negative energy. But that bubble is like a light in the dark where moths and things are attracted to that light. Mm. So that's- Oh, I love it. That's a great analogy, Christoph. I didn't, I didn't just came up with it off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christoph, it's been a pleasure. It's been so long since we met in person. I'm so glad to be able to see amazing. Well, this has been another Re-Education Experience podcast with me, your host, and our amazing guest, uh, Christoph Chu. Make sure you follow him. You'll have fun. You'll learn a ton and you'll see uh, more about this amazing man. And I'm sure just by watching, you'll learn a lot for your business. So thank okay, you. Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so appreciative and I can't wait to see you soon. All righty. Have a cool. good one, everybody.